Hello and welcome to Trini Community Broadcast episode 44. Today I'm very happy to have Piotr, Andrew and Luis joining me for an awesome session about Metabase and Trino together. Thank you so much for joining me today, guys. Uh, pleasure to have you. And I know we're going to ha ha talk about lots of interesting things. Um, how about we start with introducing yourself a little bit? You want to go first, Luis? Absolutely. Well, um, thank you. Thank you for, for inviting me. Uh, I'm here in representation of the entire Metabase team. I'm very humbled to be here. Uh, my name is Luis. I'm a success engineer here at Metabase. I've been working for two years in the company. And before this, I used Metabase really, really for, for long. I've, I've been using Metabase for a long, long time, basically before doing data engineering uh, and data operations. Uh, and now I am, uh, I'm, I'm working as a success engineer, mostly helping uh, customers adopt Metabase, uh, solving problems, solving architectural problems, uh, you know, uh, about how to deploy data stacks with Metabase on top. That, that's awesome. Uh, well, we'll get you some more new, new users today because the combination of Metabase and Trino is uh, pretty amazing, to be honest, from what I've seen so far and what I know. Um, uh, and then uh, we have Piotr and uh, Andrew join us from the Trino slash Starburst side. So tell us about yourself, Piotr. What are you doing uh, with Metabase and Trino? Yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm product manager here at uh, Starburst. And I'm responsible for all the integrations with uh, Trino and, and Starburst, including uh, Metabase uh, and other BI tools like Tableau, Power BI, uh, Python uh, client, and everything that allows you to, to connect to, the, uh, to Starburst or Trino. And you're joining us today from Poland, I, so it yeah. is late for you, isn't it? I just uh, ate in the, in the evening. Awesome, cool. And then last but not least, our overhacker and geek here, uh, Andrew is going to tell us how he jumped into things that not everyone jumps in these days. Um, how about you, Andrew? What are you doing at Starburst? Yeah, uh, my name is Andrew DeBasio. Uh, I've been working at Starburst uh, for almost two years now. I uh, worked on a couple different projects there. Um, and yeah, one, one being Metabase Driver, uh, working with Piotr. Um, helping to get the uh, Starburst driver out, so we could, uh, yeah, we could integrate with an awesome tool. So, yeah, looking forward to uh, chatting about it. Awesome. Well, that's great. Um, lots to talk about Metabase, but before we dive into this topic, I want to uh, jump about uh, two other sections. So let's see what we want to talk about first. Uh, we do want to talk about our recap of Trino 2022. As you know, this is the first episode of our Trini community broadcast in January here, 2023. And lots and lots of cool stuff has happened. Um, we got this great blog post out, The Rabbit Reflects on Trino 2022, right? Obviously, this year is going to be the year of the Trino because in the Chinese Zodiac, it is the rabbit year. And Commander Banban is the best and fastest of them all. So let's see what happens in 2023. In the recap blog post, we had lots of uh, interesting things uh, to tell about. Obviously, we uh, celebrated 10 years of Trino last year in August and had a lot of cool uh, videos and uh, stats going and just finding out all the things we've come through in the Trino project starting in at Facebook in 2020, uh, 2012 and mo moving all the way to the Trino project now. It's been an amazing journey. 
Last year, we also had a cool event, Cinco de Trino in May, and then in November, the Trino Summit. And in between numerous episodes of Trino Community Broadcast, in fact, I want to show you a video from our recap of the Trino Summit in San Francisco. For those of you that didn't make it in person, maybe next year or like later this year, you will be able to make it. Did we make that just for this? Or no, that... we made this also for the blog post and in general as oh. a teaser said you have to come next time to the Tino Summit. Oh, nice. Um, props go out to Brian Olsen, our, our uber creative co-host that can't make it today. But um, yeah, super awesome video. And as you can see, it was a great event. Um, great community. Also for the people attending virtually, we have lots of blog posts out about each individual one. People came all the way from Singapore and uh, Brazil to join us in San Francisco, but we had like many hundred people watching us online as well. And the videos from companies like Apple and Bloomberg and other presenters were very well received and it was, was a great event and we're going to do it again in 2023. So that's going to be great. But of course, um, we also released the Trino Definitive Guide last year in English, second edition. Uh, we have more plans for that. In fact, uh, I have good news for you, Piotr. Um, the Polish edition is going to come in the next month or two. Uh, the Chinese edition is also going to follow later this year. And I'm trying to uh, get a Korean and Japanese edition off the ground for our communities there. Because what we found out, for example, is uh, in, uh, analyzing what happened in 22 in terms of traffic, there must be a pretty sizable Trino community in Korea, in Seoul, because there's a lot of traffic to the Trino website. So, or, or they just really like Commander Banban. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm guessing that there's, oh, well, in fact, I know that there's like SK Telecom and others um, in there over in Korea. So, yeah, I, really I, can't, wait. I can't wait for the Polish, Polish book. It's yeah. Fun, <laughs> hopefully, the, hopefully the translation will be good because yes, <laughs> exactly. I. Yeah, exactly. awesome. it's always funny how they translate the engineering books to to you know to the Polish language. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's super difficult. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So otherwise, of course, uh, Trino also had lots of uh, new releases coming out last year, close to 50, I think. Um, and we got 
really cool new functionality like the the SQL merge support, SQL functions, table func of the JSON functions, table functions now with the query pass through. Our project Tardigrade launched with fault torrent execution. Um, that's really suitable for uh, more difficult workloads uh, that have long running queries in ETL or batch processes, or also just you know allow you to have a more stable performance. And then, of course, the new connectors lake in the object storage world for lake houses like Delta Lake, Hoodie uh, came on board. So it's been it's been a massive year. And then we finished off the year with the release 404 that we skipped because, you know, 404, the number is is not found in the HTTP request. So we, we jumped right to 405 and got a whole lot of features out there. And now it's taken us a little while to get 406 out, which we got out yesterday. You see here we got error, Apache error support for reading from BigQuery, views in the Delta Lake connector. A lot of people will love the Iceberg REST catalog and the Iceberg JDBC catalog. So instead of using a Hive Metastore with the Iceberg catalog, you can now just plump into a um, PostgreSQL database as the backend there, which makes deployment much easier. And numerous other performance improvements and so on happen as well. The BigQuery connector now can be used with fault torrent execution. And for those people still stuck on HDFS directly, they can also take advantage of the fault torrent execution to use the HDFS storage for spooling. Um, so those both those two releases are all out and we're already working towards the next. A lot of stuff was already merged again overnight. We also got another Python client out. That's good for our... Uh, Python ecosystem, but that's enough for now. What we're going to do now is we're going to talk about the and that is Metabase. So, Luis, what is Metabase again? Well, Metabase, uh, I like to find it as like the easiest way in which you can get self-service analytics. Like literally, the simplest and easiest way to uh, start your journey to self-service analytics. Um, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, just go to your terminal and just do, you know, uh, Docker run as you see there uh, in the presentation. It you expose a port and you start MetaBase. Like you don't need to have, you know, a huge server. You don't need to have like a, a cluster of servers. Uh, just to start, it's one jar file or one container. You can start with just as minimal as 256 megs of RAM. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And in just, you know, 30 seconds, uh, a metadata server will spin up and you will start doing um, questions. Uh, you know, you just start connecting your data sources. You start to do questions to it. Then you start to build dashboards. You put filters on those dashboards. And if you um, check out the video that we have on the website on as much as six minutes, uh, you have a dashboard connected to your data source with filters, with questions. You can start building subscriptions to those dashboards so you get uh, you know, uh, information in your email and Slack. It's extremely easy. Um, we put a lot of effort into you know, uh, building a product that is extremely easy for anyone that knows SQL or even people that don't know anything or don't know what is SQL at all, right? Um, Metabase has a really, really, really interesting query builder. 
which you can go directly and do just, you know, um, questions built with, you know, just clicking over, I want to see this uh, group by that, I want to sum this field, and I want to see this by month or this by year. It's extremely easy. We truly, truly encourage anyone that wants to know uh, what is going on with their data to just go ahead and try it. Just spin it up, maybe locally, or you can even go to our cloud. Go to our cloud, just you know, click, and in five minutes you have a you know full featured MetaBase server ready uh, for you to start your journey into self-service analytics. Oh wow, that's really cool! So it, it is a web interface, I'm guessing from uh, seeing the screenshot here and like talking to you when you say about a SaaS application as well. Definitely, yes. Uh, it's you know, it's not about installing nothing. Just just get get to your get onto with your browser. It's all web, uh, web-based, and again, it's just as simple as having one single container or one single jar file running, maybe under your machine or an external server, or you can have, you know, like uh, clusters of uh, spinning metabases, uh, and we we are we are going to talk about that in, in a couple of minutes. But you can you can scale it as much as you wish, depending on the load that you have. Wow. Well, so. So, yeah. so do people actually use it just like locally as a local application and just fire it up and run them? Or is that sort of like not so common? It's more common to have a multi-user deployment. Well, we have all the spectrum in, in, entirely. Like uh, we have people that run it on their machines, you know, to connect it to maybe a SQLite database that they uh, are doing some, you know, tests or they even want to maybe uh, do some, some analytics on uh, local databases that they have till the very the very end like massive metabase deployments we we have customers that literally have more than a hundred metabase like servers uh one for each of their customers or even you know clusters of uh, a single cluster of metabase with maybe you know 50 60 or maybe more containers uh to serve uh thousands and thousands of internal users so it's oh, the, wow. the entire spectrum yeah so it's a it's it's quite like suitable for a really big scale as well and then on the lower scale, Andrew, you just ran it locally yourself, I'm guessing, in the development phase, right? Um, no, yeah, to add on to uh, what Luis was saying, um, I, and I'll go over that in detail, but uh, basically building our driver and merging it with Metabase and their Uber jar, uh, running it locally, as well as we have a pipeline uh, internally at Starburst uh, that we push our driver um, running in like like Luis, Luis said, it's uh, you know EKS cluster with the Docker container uh, behind a load balancer, and that was very easy to set up, uh, very easy to update, um, sort of a no brainer. Okay, and 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 like from what I understand, um, Metabase is open source, so it was very easy for you to like literally get the code and fire it up. Like when you're saying build that jar, you could write your own driver and like build it on the fly fired up and debug on the fly and that kind of stuff yeah yeah uh, metabase has a whole document um, that actually describes uh, building and contributing your own third-party uh, um, docker uh, driver uh, and oh, wow. yeah so following those instructions um, you know working with them uh, and most importantly they have a very good test suite which uh, I heavily leaned on, which was uh, very nice to see uh, because some other 
tools that we work with don't actually have have that sort of support at that level. So having like, you know, 3000 tests that you can lean on and when something goes wrong, like all these tests explode and then you you go and you fix things, you can kind of be rather confident <clears throat> that you're doing the right thing. Oh wow, that's that's good. That's that's definitely a significant number of tests. So that's that's really nice. Yeah, so as you can as you can see, Manfred, uh, Metabase has a very similar you know man- mindset to the to the Trino community and and Starburst. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is basically very very similar uh, model where you have an open source uh, project where everyone can contribute it, like we did with the with the you know Starburst uh, connector and and then an enterprise offering basically that uh, allows the uh, company to 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 uh, to uh, provide a you know free open source version to to everyone who who wants to test it and and use it. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's really interesting. So you're saying um, also then you have these options of cloud hosted and um, single like self hosted. Uh, Louis, as a company, there's also MetaBase as a company, and I guess that like offers a cloud hosted version for others or do people also like self cloud manage hosted or whatever you call it? So us, we like to offer uh, what's best for our customers. Uh, of course, as we always recommend uh, people to host Metabase or to run Metabase in our cloud, uh, we have like, a, you know, a very, very well prepared cloud for uh, managing Metabase with completely zero downtime everything replicated you know we have a very extensive documentation about how do we how do we host metabase for our customers and in fact uh we have more than 2000 uh, customers that are using our cloud right now but uh, we have customers that prefer to use their own uh cloud or maybe host on on their premises uh and and that's perfectly fine for us we 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 can even move cost so we have processes for moving people from self-hosted to our cloud and we offer also the opposite. When people want to leave our cloud, we just tell them, sure. I mean, it's your data. You, you If you want to leave, here it is. Like, um, if you use Metabase, that's fine for us. So we give them their data back and they can host Metabase uh, on, on their premises. So um, as you can see, um, like all that, all those charts are in a, in a very interesting document that we run uh, that we have on our webpage, which is metabase.com slash security. But uh, our current cloud deployment, you know, has, you know, replication across availability zones. Uh, everything is secure by default. Uh, the, the the cloud um, cloud services provider that we use has plenty of security measures, and we put more security measures on top, like, uh, you know, uh, we encrypt rows uh, by default with specific keys um that are random and one key per customer so we have plenty of plenty of security measures uh to protect our, our customers data which is the, the most precious asset they have that that's amazing um and then of course as you said when you said they can self-manage that's obviously there's lots of use cases where that might also be necessary right like there's some super private data that's siloed elsewhere but you still need to do analytics on it right so you could exactly. move it inside but exactly. also like take the convenience of the cloud otherwise. So that's cool. Yeah, we have uh, use cases, for example, uh, with uh, um, several uh, governments around the world that they, that like we have um, governments uh, and we have even customers, you know, like uh, with super high regulations that they even run Metabase completely air-gapped. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Um, we even uh, provide our, our customers uh, that need air-gapped solutions all the tooling needed 
to um, you know deploy metabase on their premises without even touching uh, you know uh, metabase for uh, you know, the metabase infrastructure in case they need. Um, we have that. We have people that uh, run uh, one metabase instance for each of their customers. So like uh, there, there's people that provide metabase to their customers and and we help those customers to achieve you know like um, massive like let's say private clouds of metabase on their own infrastructure, uh, which is pretty rad, I would say. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. And, and, and that's good, right? Like you adapt to whatever the customer needs. Um, when I look at that self-hosted diagram, I see two things that um, I have questions about, and that's Postgres or MySQL. Is that the backing database for uh, metabase, so to speak? Exactly. So metabase, um is basically a, a, I would, I always like to say it's like the perfect example of a three tier web application. And uh, we, um, we use um, to, to persist all the data, you know, users, passwords, like the questions, um, you know, the connection strings, everything. Uh, you, you have to deploy um, a database, which can be either Postgres and, or MySQL. Cool. So in, in, in Andrew's case, when he was hacking, he had you had like Postgres or MySQL running locally in a container or something. Uh, for the application database? Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, Postgres uh, is what we're using um, for our, uh, our dev instance. Cool. Awesome. And then on the, on the top of that same diagram, there's HA proxy. So does that mean the application is kind of... Um, can be horizontally scaled and is mostly stateless. So you can just like route with any proxy to wherever. Absolutely. You can use any reverse proxy that you like. And we have interesting use cases like people that even use that pattern and they uh, develop uh, endpoints, uh, custom endpoints that do really interesting stuff uh, to maybe augment some uh, metabase functionality and they expose those endpoints uh, behind that reverse proxy. So you keep the same metabase uh, UI and, and experience, but with custom developments and custom functionalities that are you know, served by these, those specific endpoints. So as you can see, the, the, the application can be customized uh, up to any extent that you wish. That's cool. Awesome. Should we chat quickly about Metabase the company? Like it's been around for a while from what I understand. Absolutely, yes. So um, Metabase came up as a, a, you know, a, a company uh, from Expa. Um, all the, like uh, our CEO Samir is the, the, the one that explains this uh, the, the best uh, on, on his podcast. So if you uh, search for Metabase you know, in the podcast and, and uh, you know, um, news that you'll see around, uh, you'll hear from, from him better than from me, uh, how did Metabase uh, started, but it was, uh, it was um, a company inside Expa and uh, all the, you know, all the startups in that company builder had the same, like the same requirements. So they all needed to know how they were doing, right? Uh, so Metabase was, Metabase started there, uh, you know, as a, as a tool to be connected to these, those startup uh, databases. And uh, those um, startups need, you know, the, the same metrics. You know, uh, how much is my revenue? How many customers do I have? How am I doing? Right. Uh, so it started like that, and uh, after a couple of years, uh, you know, the, they open source the tool. 
um, when they open source the tool, it really like exploded. Uh, it was uh, very very uh, oriented towards. And this is this is some some pattern that we have internally, which is uh, we have uh, you know engineering teams that find metabase uh, a really cool tool, and 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 you know, like teams of from teams of engineering, they are the the first one that start using the tool, and then that the, the tool like uh, you know goes to the rest of of the company, so um, it started as an open source um, project. We are still an open source uh, project, uh, and it will be kept that way forever. Um, and um, and and yes, right now, I mean, after a couple of years, we we raised uh, a, a few rounds, and, and now we are a Series B company. I don't remember the exact data, but right now we are a Series B company. We are around uh, fifty six people all around the world. And and the metaverse turned, I would say, into uh, remote a remote company. Like by by default, we don't care where you are um, and and the hours that, that you work. In two thousand, I believe two thousand nineteen, like two thousand nineteen, two thousand twenty. I joined the company in two thousand and twenty. Uh, you know, like in the middle of the pandemic, uh, and and we 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 didn't we didn't go back to 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 the office, and and we don't pretend to. So that's awesome. So. Um, where are you then now at the moment? Right now, I am in a, in in the middle of the Argentinian Pampas, I would say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, That's it's a, it's a very small city in the middle of the Argentinian Pampas uh, called Benalotuerto. It's uh, eighty thousand people. Cool. So the company is truly like all across the globe to some degree. Truly remote. People from the U.S., Europe, Asia. Uh, here in Latin America, uh, yeah, truly, truly remote. Well, I imagine you ex experienced uh, um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, fun when uh, Argentina won the World Cup in, in football just recently. Uh, I'm sure it was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. True. I, have a, I have a question for you. So uh, if you have people from all over, do you find that um, that makes it uh easier to hire people who are like closure experts because i can imagine that you want people who are you know uh interested and i'm assuming that people who apply to work at metabase already come in like loving closure wanting to contribute and like uh maybe they've already contributed to like metabase so so we i mean although we don't expect anyone to be an expert in closure uh the, the back end is written in closure Right. Mm. Uh, we even hired people that they didn't even know anything about closure, like the the the, the moment they they go into metaverse, and uh, I mean they, they were really good programmers in in other languages, and they learned closure in in you know uh, in one month, uh, and uh, that was it. Like they they are really really good. Uh, I have a, a couple of them in my mind right now, and um, but but again, it 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 isn't needed that you know uh, either closure or React. Right. Um, okay. We we hire people uh, based on uh, their skills. It's the skills that they, they can show, you know, in an interview or you know a GitHub repo that it that shows what they can do rather than what they say they can do in a resume. So just sense. stepping back for the not so JVM geeks uh, out there in our audience, what's closure? And can you maybe describe this architecture diagram? Maybe that that sheds a bit of light on all the jargon we just threw around <laughs> sure um so for, first of all 
um, that that architecture diagram that you see over there, it's a extremely super, I would say, a hundred thousand miles, you know, uh, up in the air, uh, at, because because I mean, it won't reflect at all uh, the complexities of the code base, right? I, I that's uh, I'm pretty sure that it, that's that's uh, everyone knows that it's, it's for granted. Everyone takes that for granted, but just just want to to. Put that into detail. So, so Clojure is is a language, um, a programming language that um, is, um, I would say, it's Lisp-like, right? So it, it comes from from uh, the the, uh, the roots of of, of Lisps. And um, if if you uh, haven't uh, seen the, the, that those type of languages, is not. I would say it's not like. Uh, uh, something similar to Python where you say, you know, I want to initialize a variable and say, this is, you know, uh, the sum of this plus that, but rather uh, in, in Clojure, you write things like uh, the variable is uh, this, and it's like the, the operation first, and then you pass the variables. Like, it's it's really interesting, the notation of Clojure. Um, it's, uh, once you get a custom and you get used to read it, it's pretty and it's pretty expressive. Um, I am. I am a learning. I'm still learning code. I, I didn't write in, uh, code in Clojure. I mean, I, I won't write at all. I'm not a. a I would say a, a programmer or a software engineer. But but I am. I am doing some Clojure stuff in my, in my free time. It's really nice. I mean, once you get used to the language, it's super super nice. Uh, the um, the particularity of Clojure is that it basically compiles to Java white code. So anything that you write in Clojure can be put into a Java virtual machine and it will run there. So uh, it's um, it's um, really interesting what you can do in Clojure, basically, because it it um, handles, um, like it will, the Java virtual machine will give you know the maturity and the performance of something that is Java-like, uh, but it's not Java, right? So it, it builds two Java white code, but it's not Java. So um, oh, one thing that I forgot about saying is it's uh, the, the language is you know uh, has a, it's functional programming right so it has all the benefits of, of the functional programming uh, you don't you don't end up you know in those uh, massive you know, ob object uh, objects over objects so um, so so it it compiles to Java white code so that brings metabase to a really interesting uh, point where uh, that that is why in the beginning of this um, chat I said. Uh, you can start with you know 256 megabytes, and I'm not kidding. Like <laughs> you spin up a Metabase server, 265 megabytes. Like if you have a very specific and you know um, uh, super super short, I would say use case, that Metabase server uh, will work and when we work really really efficiently. Mm -hmm. So that is why we have customers that run with a. Uh, I would say two gigabytes of RAM uh, Metabase instance, like 600. <laughs> 600. Can you even get machines that are that slow and <laughs> small? <laughs> I mean, and it's super efficient, like 600 users, you know, hitting the the, the, the instance uh, with, with nothing, you know, like with just two gigabytes of RAM, um, which which is pretty awesome, pretty awesome. Uh, so that is the the the... the the chart that you're seeing there is, is basically how the, how the application works. So it's a React frontend and a Clojure backend. The Clojure backend exposes um, a REST API. And there are two, I would say, um, very important uh, aspects. So uh, on the frontend, uh, on, on the React application, uh, 
you know, every, everything is on your browser. You start to build a question. A question is like, I, I want to, I want to grab from my data, you know, like, uh, from this table, these fields that I want to maybe sum, uh, this, this by month. So you start to build that. And that is, uh, that is a structure. This is, this is a adjacent structure that we call MBQL, right? So, and that's a pseudo, um, uh, is a pseudo structure of what you want to get from your data. Uh, that is sent to the backend, right, through an API, and we have an API that uh, transpiles whatever you want to the data source that you have uh, underneath, right? Uh, and we do that because we support uh, SQL and NoSQL databases. So that MBQL can be transpiled to Mongo, or can be transpiled to Postgres, or can be transpiled to Trino. Uh, so that that is what we do. And after that, it's uh, you know after the metabase transpiles that, it sends that to to uh, the database that you connect to. Uh, database runs the query, and we return that. And that is you know a JSON structure that is rendered on uh, on, on your browser. And also in that uh, front end, there's a huge massive super super uh, well uh, cared um, logic about what do you want to see right because it's different that it's, it's really really different uh, if you want to see you know something uh, uh, through a time frame or you know you want to see a table uh, you know you want to see like row by row so metabase has this um, uh, very interesting concept about the metadata and that is well that is that is why metabase is called metabase and not like <laughs> any other name. It has a really, really uh, the, the, the UX and UI designers have taken very, very special care about uh, what is the metadata of all that data. So if you have a, maybe a a, a, um, uh, a timestamp on, on the data that comes, you might well want to see uh, a, a, um, you know a line chart or a bar chart. Uh, if you don't have that, maybe you want to see a table or you want to see, you know, like uh, any other chart or, or maybe a map. You know, you have latitude, longitude, you want to see a map, right? You want to see a pin map. So that is that is all in, in I would say, the render logic that you have on the front end is pretty, pretty cool. Okay. So, so ultimately, Andrew, you had to learn this MPQL to some degree because you had to translate that in the driver to the Trino SQL side of things, right? Yeah, yeah, they have some utilities in there uh, that can translate MBQL uh, back and forth. Uh, so yeah, learning how to re leverage their utilities and things like that to to achieve that. Cool. And then I also see on the top there's the Chatty web server. So that must mean that the interoperability between the Clojure code and the Java code is really good because Chatty is obviously written in Java for the Eclipse Foundation. Exactly. So in Clojure, you can import Java classes if needed. So that's okay. pretty cool, pretty cool as well. But yeah, Jetty is uh, you know it's it's a web server, it's an embedded web server. So that's really awesome from Metabase. In that single jar that we bundle together, you have a web server there. So you don't mm -hmm. need to put anything else. You just spin up. You just do, you know just start a jar uh, file, and everything is there. Every absolutely everything is there. You don't need any other thing, you know, uh, specific web servers or, um, uh, well, I'm the same as Trino. You, you, I know that you use Airlift and many other stuff inside the, the application. You don't need absolutely anything. Everything is there already. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a side note also, like Trino also uses Jetty inside it via various layers. But yeah, that's awesome. So, should we talk about how this all came together, where we're at now? Like sort of a little bit about the history of Metabase and Trino 
obviously metabase been around since what 2014 with his company uh starburst and trino have been around for quite a while now as well the trino rename was what caused the first interoperation with more in detail uh, with the metabase community on my end because when that happened the rename from presto sql to trino we wanted to make sure that clients are still supported so i created a little pr that basically took the old presto driver um but we we killed that off because um a, I didn't have enough time to really learn closure <laughs> and and probably also not the brain power at this stage. Um, and also that driver was based on uh, the REST API or the like sort of REST API of Trino. Um, and I think we then changed course and then Piotr and Andrew, what happened next? At some stage, you started a conversation with Metabase. Tell us more how, how, how we got to where we're now, where we have a really good driver, I think. Yeah, of course, we have state-of-the-art driver currently. Awesome. Um, and of course, it, it, as always, it uh, it started with a, with a customer, with a, with a customer need. Um, so uh, Metabase uh, uh, got a lot of traction, uh, I would say, like two years ago, a year ago, uh, within the Starburst uh, customers. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they requested that they, they need better performance, better uh, experience uh then uh, as as you said the, the presto uh, the presto connector was api based it was uh, um not so not so fast and uh, and you know we, we had to figure out something to um uh to uh to provide a better uh, experience uh, to the to the customers especially in in terms of the performance um so and that that's how how it started we reach out to the uh to the metabase as, as you can see they they are great people work there uh, with the same mindset as, as us and Trino, Trino community. So uh, we very quickly created a new uh, new connector uh, for Starburst and Trino. Uh, of course, it, it works with the open source as well. It's, it's called Starburst. Uh, you can use it with uh, Starburst Enterprise, uh, Galaxy, and, uh, and a version of Trino. Awesome. And that's so how, how long have you been hacking on this now, Andrew? Uh, because you're so, the one-man show that runs this, essentially, aren't you? Or do you have others helping with code reviews, or, or is that Louis uh, doing yeah. it? Or... No, uh, we have a team. Uh, so I, I picked it up, um, and I basically drove it uh, until basically to the state it is now. And then we have another developer who's who's working on uh, helping pick some some tasks up. Um, yeah, so feature requests and things like that. Yeah, I think I've been working on it for um, maybe a year now. Uh, but I, I mean, working on other things as well. Uh, but I think the core bulk of my work was maybe ended in probably October. Uh, and then now just picking up tasks, helping, you know, we have uh, people uh, contributing outside of Starburst now, which is super awesome. Uh, so, so, so the driver is also open source, then it's essentially what you're saying. Yeah, the driver's open source. Uh, we've Great. had people open up you know, issues and PRs and actually contribute changes that are um, some pretty large changes too, which has been awesome uh, to see. So, yeah. That's high awesome. Five. We'll look at those a bit later, huh? Yeah. yeah. High five to Laurent, who is who's now working on the, on, the, on the next versions of the, of the, of the Metabase yep. driver. Hopefully he, he will join us uh, next time after uh, we deliver some new features in the in the 2023. Yeah, uh, that's great. Cool. So um, 
Should we like have a look at this in action or do you want to talk about some of the core advantages of Metabase with Trino, Luis? What do you think? Sure, let's, uh, let's take a look at some of the use cases, of interesting use cases that I think are relevant to, to the community. So I picked these three use cases specifically because uh, I know that people that use Metabase, uh, I mean, I, I interact every single day with customers and I know that customers uh, will check this out and will, will really open their eyes of, of what you can achieve, you know, with this, uh, you know, match made in heaven of <laughs> Metabase. Um, because one thing that Metabase still cannot do is, you know, join. Uh, so, so let's let's start with the first one, which is uh, it seems like uh, there's there's a diagram there. So the first thing that Metabase cannot still do is. Um, you know, uh, connect to all the databases that are, that are around. In, in fact, uh, thanks to you guys, because you, you made the, the driver specific for Starbucks, which which is absolutely awesome. Um, the, the architecture of the driver is is, uh, is modular, right? So anyone can can and can write a driver, and we have drivers that uh, we we take care of, right? So for example, we take care of the of the Postgres driver, of the MySQL driver, right? Uh, but there are drivers that we don't support like for example uh, redis or elasticsearch i'm mentioning elasticsearch because it's maybe the most requested driver uh like that that we don't support out there but but trino does which is pretty awesome right so what can you do with metabase and trino right so what you can do is use trino as a query feather engine engine to connect to elasticsearch or maybe to connect to redis uh everything that i am um saying here and which also that i'm going to show is on our repository and github repository you just you just have to go there pull the repository and do a you know docker compose up and it will spin up elasticsearch redis metabase trino absolutely everything it will connect everything automatically oh one thing that i forgot to mention also is that as you saw in the architecture uh, and we have a basically a rest api backend absolutely everything that you can uh that, that, that you do via the front end can be done in the back end, like programmatically. So you can start, you know, um, sending API calls to Metabase to set up the instance, uh, add users, delete users, do queries, build dashboards, send, send alerts or subscriptions. Absolutely, it can be done programmatically, which is pretty awesome. We have customers that um, handle massive amounts of Metabase instances without, like, without using the mouse at all, which uh, I, I think it's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, in the demo that I that I prepared, and which is on the GitHub repo, everything is done program. I mean, all the connections and all the setup is done programmatically. So I create a user, uh, an admin user, set up the instance, uh, you know, connect, um, uh, the, the, the connect Trino, and, and you know, I, I do uh, all the programmatic. So that, that can be done. So again, you can connect Metabase to Trino and from Trino access all those data sources that we still don't support natively. And you know, and you have all, of course, all the advantages of Trino, right? So uh, clusterization, you know, the query optimization and everything that Trino does really, really, really well. Um, so let me ask a question about this because um, in your examples, you pointed out like Elasticsearch, Google Spreadsheet, Cassandra and Redis here. Um, the history of Trino is, however, more out of the whole object storage and massive scale kind of um, 
mm-hmm. hive sort of ecosystem of lake houses and data lakes and stuff like that. From what I understand, you can also query those then, and um, Metabase itself doesn't have any drivers or anything for these systems, right? Exactly. So I just I just pick this four, or I just put the, this these four icons because these are the ones that uh, we have mapped on our issue tracker. So if you go to Metabase uh, issue tracker in GitHub, you will see that people ask for Elasticsearch, Cassandra, Google Sheets, and Redis. But mm. as you mentioned, uh, a super super really cool feature is that you are open to all the ecosystem of Trino, right? So you can connect to absolutely everything that Trino connects. Uh, and we are going to mention one of the use cases of one of our customers that they use Metabase and Trino to connect to a data, a data lake, which is uh, um, Delta tables, right, from, from Databricks. So yeah, I mean, you are open to all the connectors that, uh, that Trino supports, which is awesome. Yeah, so that that's really a, uh, I think an important use case for any of those like larger enterprises that end up with data lakes and lake houses. Um, and I think that's a, that's a great combination. Uh, and obviously, with the performance of of uh, Trino and the performance of Metabase and the scalability, you can like get that data accessible to everyone. That's that's quite amazing, I think. Yeah, 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 definitely. So I have a, I have a question. Yeah. So is this is this sort of a new realization because? Uh, I didn't know about this, like, uh, I mean, this makes a lot of sense, but I didn't know you were using Trino like this. So there, is this seems like sort of like a new development or? Uh, you, you mean uh, from the Metabase side? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, from, from we always support it. I mean, th- this, um, this, this architecture was always there, right? What you needed is, you know, People to realize, oh, if I if I can, you know, put all these modules together, I will be able to use the power that Metabase has for, you know, um, build or offering an opening to a company, you know, the self-service analytics culture and, and making it that very very swiftly, and also the power of Trino to do everything of that really well, right? You know, clusterization, query optimization, getting into data sources that metabase didn't support natively right Mm -hmm. so it's like you're putting the best of both worlds together in order to reach a higher milestone uh and i and i truly believe that the customer that we are going to mention in in some minutes did that right so they they knew they had they they knew that they had in their company people that uh Mm -hmm. knew really really well how to write sql and how to use all the power for from you know Trino and Delta Lake and absolutely, and then they have people that didn't know about SQL. They, I mean, it's it's not their role. They they are not there to you know to get into a data lake and and do a super super um, optimized query. And that's why that's why it's there. There's it's it's metabase there, right? It's it's there just for people that don't maybe don't know about SQL. Uh, they want to get something. They want to get you know some insights from the data. And and it's it's there. It's to at the reach of, of you know a couple of clicks. Mm-hmm. And the best of this, the best of, of Metabase is that both teams can play together because there may be one person from the data team that might write the most efficient and optimal query that you know uses the data lake up to the, all of the extent. And there's someone that don't know absolutely anything about what a data lake is and how does it work and stuff. And they both can play together in the same platform, which is pretty, pretty awesome. 
So, so, so when you said these multiple uh, engines or backends for the data that Trino can access, that also gets me to the second sort of advantage that, I, that you mentioned, that is the joining of these different engines and SQL and NoSQL engines. Can you tell us a bit more about what you mean by that? Sure. So another thing that Metabase currently doesn't support is, you know, you might have, I don't know, 10 Postgres, right? Or let's say five Postgres and five MongoDBs. And uh, in Metabase, when you connect to those 10 Postgres, let's imagine that you're not doing foreign data wrappers and all that kind of stuff. But if you connect to all those data sources, you cannot say, hey, Metabase, I want uh, a table from this Postgres joined with this table from this other Postgres. Uh, or uh, if you want to cross uh, technologies, I want this table from this Postgres joined with this collection from Mongo. You cannot do that yet in Metabase. And with Trino, you can, right? Because uh, Trino was made for that. Like it connects, it uses all those connectors and you can go to Metabase and build a query. It says, give me this table from Postgres, join it as with this, this collection of Mongo, as it would be, you know, Mongo relational relation data is. I have a demo about that as well, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. So again, it's one of our the most requested features, one of the most requested features that we that we have uh, right now. Yeah. yeah. That that makes me really excited for the demo. So I want to see that very soon. But first, last super advantage that I think is kind of unique and interesting, and that's the uh, security level that you're that you're also talking about. Yeah. So this this one is also truly, truly amazing. And the first time that I I, uh, I, I made it work, I was, I, my mind was blown. Um, so Metabase has a very interesting feature in the pro and enterprise uh, offerings, which is uh, data sandboxing. Some people call that uh, as well, row level security. And basically it's the possibility of, um, let's say you connect um, Metabase to a data source and in that data source, there's a column that gives you the ownership of that row, right? So you have, you know, row one belongs to uh, people from team A, row two belongs uh, to people from team B, and row three belongs to people from team C. If in Metabase you uh, maybe have users and you have that information uh, of the users, I mean, which team does the, the user belongs to, let's say that you have that info either add it manually, because you can add that manually, you can add that programmatically if you wish to, you know, via the API as, as we mentioned, or you can use um, a single sign-on and, and populate that information via a claim on the single sign-on. So you, you have that completely automated. Then you can enable role-level security. And what Metabase will do is whenever it goes to that data source, Metabase will add on the fly and without the user noticing, done entirely on the back end, will add a where clause that says, give me this data source, but just give it, give me um, the ones that, that belong to me, right? It will add that where clause that says, give me, and if you are, you know, in team A, just give me the rows of team A. So you can restrict access to something like, you know, social security numbers or date of birth or credit card numbers and that kind of stuff, right? You, you can do column level security if you wish. And you can do role level security. Like oh, wow. you can do both. both. It's truly, truly powerful. Like lots and lots of, of, of customers are using this uh, mainly that like you, you, you truly achieve with Metabase a multi-tenant self-service analytics platform, which is wow. absolutely awesome. 
So as you can imagine, this was only, uh, or this was, I mean, restricted, this is restricted, as you can imagine, to um, um, relational tables, right? So we, we are a word class, right? And, and we pass that word class. But with Trino, you can do this with NoSQL databases, right? Because mm. Trino will expose that, those collections as a relational table. So with Trino and Metabase, you achieve the best of both worlds, right? If you have all your transactions in non-SQL databases like Mongo or maybe Elasticsearch, right? Or I know Redis or absolutely anything, you can achieve role level security with those technologies. So it's absolutely awesome. I'm, I'm, again, I have that demo as well. All right, well, with that, let's do this. Do you want to fire up your screen and show us? Absolutely. Yep. Share screen. There we go. Uh, Here just, we go. Do you see my screen? Cool. Nice. So um, this is, you know, a plain vanilla metabase that it's configured for. Uh, it, it has all the, the features that we talked about, and it's um, it's connected. And let me go to my other. I mean, this this other meta is in this private window. It's uh, configured with, I mean, I am I am the admin here, and this is uh, uh, this non-private uh, window. I have like an unauthenticated user. The user is called Mongo Sandbox. So that is why it says it's going Mongo. But um, just want to show uh, what what did I do? I mean, how I connected uh, via Trino all this this database technologies, you know, it's four connections in MetaWays. Uh, and then, then I have, I have um, Sandbox. I mean, I configured the role level security for that specific user, right? So uh, if a user, let's go back here. If this user, which is called Mongo Sandboxed, um, you know, brings, brings a property with him, you know, he can only see people from the state of California in a Mongo collection, I mean, in documents that are NoSQL, um, I just I just made this this user and I configured this user to be sandbox. So everything that I'm doing here it's uh, it's all in our documentation. So if anyone wants to um, copy and do the same thing, they can go over to our documentation. This, the feature is called data sandboxing, and I mean we have a really really extensive and uh, detailed guide about how to how to achieve what I'm showing here. So. Um, and, and, going... and all that link and stuff will be in the show notes as well for anyone interested. So. Good. Good. So I'm going to move to the other window. So I'm going to show, I'm, I'm showing the third example, right? So um, sandboxing NoSQL databases. So I'm going to go with this user to the MongoDB. And so if you see, Metabase is showing to me um, just the, the table that I, I have access to, which is sandbox, which is the people table. So I click on this table and I just see you know, I'm, I'm diving into a Mongo collection, right? Something which is no SEO. I just see the state of California, which is pretty, pretty awesome. This, this, this wasn't possible. This isn't possible if you just run MetaBase connected just to Mongo. I mean, you need Trino to do all this, you know, uh, translation in between. And so if you see here, I'm, I'm doing what we call an X-ray. So MetaBase built it up, built a dashboard with all the metadata that it has about this table, and it's showing to me just the people from California, which is I'm sandbox, I'm sandbox to, 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 to those people. If I go back and I use a non-sandbox user, right, which is in this case is the, the admin user, 
And if I go to the same Mongo, I can see more collections. And if I go to the table, you'll see that there are more states here, right? So again, the user is getting into a table. Metabase is filtering the rows just for them, just the ones that, that the user has access to. And again, the user can uh, come here, you know, and start drilling, uh, or maybe they can uh, keep doing, you know, uh, uh, slicing and dicing their data without any any no any knowledge about SQL, right? Let given the distribution of the source. Whoops, never always comes up. Uh, yeah. So this was just so you just literally like browsing the table and then it automatically creates some of those summary dashboard yeah. things. Yeah, absolutely. Everything was automatic for me. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, pretty pretty cool. Uh, everything is again. Metabase is throwing the the, the questions. Um, that the SQL to Trino, Trino is going there and translating this to uh, to MongoDB, which is pretty pretty awesome. The second um, the second demo is uh, you know connecting Metabase to uh, currently data sources that Metabase doesn't support natively. One of them, and again the, the most requested one, is Elasticsearch. So I connected Metabase um, to Trino and Trino to Elasticsearch, and for example here I can click here you know and Metabase is uh, building an automatic dashboard for events that are right now uh, in, in you know, it's at Logstash log uh, collection uh, in, in Elasticsearch, right? It's like built absolutely everything for me. I didn't need to do anything. It's completely transparent. Uh, Metabase doesn't know that this is an Elasticsearch, right? It's connected to Trino. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> absolutely great. Uh, Right now, the users that um, want Elasticsearch as a source for Metabase run, you know, to the, to deploy a Trino uh, in in Galaxy or or self-hosted. It's it's there. I mean, you can achieve this with Trino. So just uh, go ahead. And the third demo is, uh, you know, this join between uh, different different data sources, right? So in this case, for example, I'm going to join. Um, I have a SQL, um, a SQL question in Metabase. As, as you see, I can write SQL questions or I can build questions with the GUI. Uh, this specific uh, use case, which is joining between different connections, right? In, in Trino, there are different catalogs. One catalog is Postgres and the other catalog is, is uh, MongoDB. This specific case is only available right now uh, in uh, SQL questions, right? So you invoke uh, the Postgres catalog and then you join it again against the MongoDB catalog. Uh, at some point in the near future, we might have a, you know multi-catalog connections, so you only be able, to, so you will be able to connect uh, Trino only once uh, and and expose all the catalogs, and you'll see the catalogs as schema. Yeah, that's that's a very common. Uh, thing because it's not normal for a database to have a three-level architecture. Every database has like this: there's the server, then there's the schema, and then the tables. Trino having that additional level of catalogs above is not common. Um, but it's awesome that you can work around this by just firing the SQL statement right straight into it. That's good. Exactly. And and one really interesting thing about Metabase is, I mean, I did this uh, in a SQL question. And then uh, if I want to, I can, I mean, this, this question is already saved, right? So the user, so the user might not uh, know that this is, you know, uh, I, I can click here. Whoops, let's go back just a bit. Um, I mean, I, I can go ahead and for example, do a question based on another question in Metabase, right? So I, 
I just pick this question that uh, it's a join between two schemas and then I can keep my um, slicing and dicing, right? I want to do a count of by month and well, I need to see what is the, there's, oh, because there's a, there's a column. I, I didn't take the created a column out from the query. So basically it's a, it's a query process. Trying to filter on a column that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ambiguous. I mean, you have to, the, the same column twice, but if I, if I made this, I made this super quickly. But if, if I made this um, this question better, right? If you see what Metavis is trying to do here, it's doing a CT, right? It's, give me this from this other, you know, uh, question that I built before. And the question that I built before, you see, it's like select asterisk. If I have built this question better and and you know, like give me specific columns, this question will come come out super quickly, and you will be able to do again a select on another select that is joining two catalogs, which is absolutely awesome. That's cool. Um, so, so ultimately, when you write this and you have, like, at some stage, hopefully soon, Andrew gets this going, <laughs> the multi-catalog stuff, um, then you would basically be able to use the Trino SQL, like syntax and everything, to like use the and use that on top of the with the user interface, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's very cool. And so you were playing with that in your development quite a bit as well, right, Andrew? Yeah, like playing around with the, you know, running queries or running questions, executing queries, um, uh, almost uh, yeah, running the server locally and testing these things out is basically um, exactly what he was doing. But <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a really cool demo. Now, however, a demo is one thing, but let's go and switch over to something even more real world, and that is how this actually happens in the real world at a, at a bigger customer. So Piotr, do you want to tell us more about what's going on at Misho and what they're mm -hmm. doing? Yeah, sure. So um, as I said, uh, the, the whole uh, connector started uh, from, from a customer need and it was exactly uh, Misho. Uh, Misho is, is one of our biggest uh, customers in, in, in APAC. Um, this is um, India's uh, fastest growing uh, internet e-commerce component, basically. Um, and they have a huge uh, Starbucks enterprise uh, uh, environment, uh, which is, of course, powered by, by Trino. And uh, they, um, uh, they, they needed a way to, to basically query their, uh, their, their lake house, their data, delta lake, um, with you know, high speed and visualize the, this, this, this data in a, in a BI tool. And uh, they were struggling um, a lot with the, with the performance of, of other solutions. Uh, and, and finally, they, um, they decided to use uh, Star Wars and the Metabase. Uh, currently, they, um, uh, they run more than uh, 1 million queries a month uh, just from the, from the Metabase to Star Wars, wow. uh, plus more, more queries outside of the, of the Metabase. So uh, this is really huge, huge workload. workload. And uh, both, you know, Metabase and and Trino, they are able to uh, uh, to uh, to you know to, to re return uh, data in in, in a very uh, fast uh, fast way without any, any issues. Uh, of course, in the in the beginning, we we struggled with the implementation, so you know it was like a, a few uh, a few steps to get to the perfect uh, connector that you can now use in the uh in the in the metabase uh but that's how it how it always uh, work 
Um, and yeah, it's uh, we we of course we, we are planning some more features as well. So it's uh, it's not that uh, the the connector is, is done and we will never touch it again. So um, uh, we we are talking with with uh, with MetaBase team uh, about adding uh, model caching to the to the connector. This is something that will benefit Mishra Mishra as well. Um, they uh, it's it's like a uh, you know a caching layer for the for the queries that. Uh, that do not need to go directly to the to the database. Uh, Luis, can you can correct me, but I think it's only supported by two or three data sources today. Exactly. Yes, yes, we support the uh, we support it right now in uh, Postgres alike uh, databases. Uh, so Postgres, Redshift, and a couple more. Yeah. Do you want to explain what this means? Like, what 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 is the model? Is that like related to this metabase query language MPQL? somehow and what's what's the part that's cached and where is it cached sure so metabase um like in, in metabase you can do queries right as as, as we as we showed and, and as i mentioned but let's say that you wanna uh you don't want to expose to your users um you know a raw table because you know raw tables sometimes have uh, our vocabulary or you know, like logic that only the people that work with that data knows, right? So in MetaBase, you can build a query that it's either uh, GUI, as, as I showed, or, or SQL, like you can write plain, plain, uh, plain SQL uh, that does a transformation or a baby or, or even clean this, this, this raw data. And uh, you can save that uh, in MetaBase. Uh, saving that in MetaBase allows you, as, as I did, but didn't work out because of that, you know, I, I, do it, I did it really quickly. You can save that query as a model. So the next time that the, your users go to MetaBase, they can click, you know, I want to do a new question. But instead of going to the raw data, they go to that model. And, and where is it saving that, Luis? So if you save the model as it is, what it will do is it will run that query every single time that you know you click on that model. So at, at, up to that that stage, it is like let's say I call it like it's a database view, right? It's mm -hmm. gonna run the query over and over again till that till that point. Model caching is a feature that we introduced in version 44, which is the version that is the one the main one major version before the one that is current, which is 45. Model caching means that you have that model, which is defined in MetaBase, but you can, uh, if you enable model caching, MetaBase will now go to your data warehouse and write back the results of that model. So it will run the SQL and will go with those results and will do a write back to the data warehouse. What that means is that you're not not only you know like doing the clean clean cleaning or uh, you know uh, you accommodate names and you maybe you do you know aggregations and stuff, but now that is going to be persisted and every single time someone clicks on that model, someone gets the data from that model, uh, MetaBase won't not, it won't run the query just that you know and going back to the source data, but it will now go to that cached model, persisted model that it's written on disk or RAM or however you are, you know, persisting that in your data warehouse and we'll get the data from there. So it's faster, right? And it's, uh, you know, you, you can um, uh, configure MetaBase to 
um, refresh that model every you know minute hour you, you write a current expression so technically as you can see it's now a materialized view which is handled by the application layer which gives you transparently basically yeah it gives you superpowers i mean it gives it it gives the the people that manage you know the analytics uh in the company it gives you the superpowers of going and writing back stuff on the data warehouse so it's really really amazing really amazing so just i just wanted to add that uh, this feature of course will be available for for everyone uh for 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 trino users and starburst users um and um, besides that we will uh, as well um introduce uh, this is something that that we are doing now research on um because starburst in starburst we have uh, like exclusive features that is called uh, smart indexing and caching which is uh, which is a similar concept to the model caching but it's uh, it's using the ssd drives basically to to cache the data for the end users and uh, we will try to integrate this as well with the with the metabase uh, model caching to make it even even more faster for the for the for the starburst customers yeah this that makes that, sense this is something that will be not available uh, of course in the open source but uh, if you can you want to try it like uh, you will be able to do it in the star wars galaxy uh for free of course in our uh, free clusters yeah that's amazing that's a good combination of aspects because um when lewis uh, i was wondering what sort of caching it is and it seems like it's like where you like essentially answered it when you talked about it's it's a materialized view in a way um so it's basically the like the result set generically not for a specific user but a generic result set caching the smart index and caching that Piotr is talking about um is the object storage file caching so it sort of sits in between so it can be used and like accelerate even queries that are um not necessarily the same because it like caches the object so it doesn't matter if you access one column or all three of them or whatever is in those object data files so so that's 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 amazing that's a really good combination so very exciting yes we will have few levels of of, of you know performance tuning as, as as you can see in the in the metabase very very soon so uh, it's yeah. uh, it's cool yeah and uh, besides this uh, we as well want to add some uh, more authentication methods uh, to the to the connector uh, definitely off i'm not sure about the kerberos uh, we'll only add it if there will be a big demand from the you know from the community well, hope, and, and hopefully no one is using kerberos anymore these days but who knows right <laughs> yes, unfortunately there are companies that are using it uh, if I remember correctly, the the, the previous Presto connector uh, supported Kerberos, Luis. Yeah, um, yeah it, it supported Kerberos. Yeah. yeah, that's because it was so old and, and way back then when it was written, <laughs> yeah, they still so. used Kerberos. Nowadays, hopefully, no one does anymore unless they're still stuck on HDFS themselves as well. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm just throwing chives, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, do you want to tell us some more about like Mishu otherwise? Like uh, how many users are there like writing reports? How many reports are there? What's what's like, do you have anything specific what they do with this? Is this a backend thing or does it show up somehow on the front end for the customers? Because from what I saw, I saw, I checked out the Mishu website a bit. It's basically like, a, like 
a multi-event e-commerce website um, where lots of people can like individual entrepreneurs can like have their own shop i'd call it kind of like a shopify amazon walmart whatever sort of mixture for india which is which is really great um do you know any more or could you tell us any more about that their usage and uh, some of the successes they might have had you already said like millions of like uh, queries and stuff that's already pretty impressive but Yeah, unfortunately, I, I can't. Uh, I can't uh, share uh, too much uh, with uh, with you about the, the how how the customer is, is using it. Uh, but uh, like what what you can see on the screen basically is uh, is is uh, it's like their architecture more or less. Uh, how how they are using uh, 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 Trino, uh, Starburst to to query the the, the Delta Lake. Um, uh, I can say that there are like uh, you know thousands of users uh, that are accessing the the, the metabase, and uh, as as I said, uh, uh, it's it's more than 10 million queries since we since we uh, introduced a a Starburst connector since we started the collaboration with them. Uh, so this is a, a really a huge huge workload, and uh, and their lake is is uh, obviously it's it's, it's huge. Um, it's you know the, the biggest e-commerce uh, site in, in India, uh, and uh, there uh, this this lake contains uh, a lot of the of the events basically um, uh, event data uh, all about what what happens on the on the on the platform on their whole platform whole ecosystem. Uh, so this is a, a, a one of the biggest implementations of uh, of Starburst so far and Trino. Awesome, that's great. Um, I won't roast you anymore, but I'm gonna make it official now. If anyone from uh, Misha is watching, I'm officially inviting you to present about your use cases at the next Trino Summit. <laughs> Just ping me on Slack, and we can work about that. Um, that'll be great. Or we'd also be happy to have you on a on a on, on a Trino Community Broadcast episode or anything else. Um, I know we have um software developers over in India from Starburst even in the Trino ecosystem. So. It's always great to uh, have the global presence of Trino everywhere. So thank you so much for sharing the things you were sharing so far. And that's that's already super interesting. And I, I love it. That's great. Um, before I jump in and get Andrew to geek out with us about uh, Clojure, I wanted to also put in a quick plug-in uh, since I talked about Trino Summit. Um, don't forget that um, in a few weeks, uh, like, Shortly on 8th and 9th of February, Starburst is running Data Nova, massive event. Uh, Kara Swish is opening up, and like Martin, Dane, and David from the Trino ecosystem are going to be talking about fault tolerant execution in Trino. And there's a whole bunch of other uh, high level people from the data ecosystem talking about entrepreneurial use cases, all the way down to really technical talks. And it's a free online event. Um, I invite you all to just jump in, register for that, and check it out. You don't necessarily have to listen all day, but I'm sure there's going to be a nugget for anyone listening to the cast here. Um, check that out. Um, we also have the events calendar on the Trino website now where that's visible. And uh, we also just added a presentation from someone in South Korea um, who is going to present at a conference there about Trino. If you have any Uh, other uh, events where you're going to present about Trino, let me know and we'll add you to, to the calendar and let everyone know. We'll make you all famous. <laughs> and now we're going to make Andrew famous with 
pull request of the episode. So Andrew, do you want to share your screen and tell us a bit more about the depths of closure in the driver that you encountered? Yeah, sure. Um, share my screen. Uh, and uh, for those of you um, watching or just listening in, we are going to look at the GitHub repository that is the Metabase driver that's in the Starburst data GitHub organization. Um, and it's open source for anyone to listen or to, sorry, not listen, you can't listen to a repo, uh, to read and watch and learn uh, and maybe even send some improvements, uh, some of which we will have a look at. Cool. Can you uh, see my screen? Yes, Whoa. the other one. <laughs> How's that? Excellent. I can see your GitHub repo and everything looking good. I see cool. you like uh, the dark mode. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, I, I just want to go over a little bit uh, just about just our, our repo. Uh, this is the Metabase driver, um, how folks can, can uh, come in and here and contribute if they want. Um, so I try to set it up to be as easy as possible to get, you know, sort of taking the uh, the uh, Metabase spirit um, because it really was quite easy to get things set up. Um, I wanted the driver to be the same. I tried to make it so it's not live. So it's not like you can type code and, uh, you know, it'll watch for your changes and push them. But um, with a quick command, you can build your uh, driver. It'll uh, going back to the architecture and, and how it works uh, and from the driver side of things, um, you you ship a jar. Uh, so all, all the drivers are jars. You can download the jars here, which um, we have a couple of releases. Um, so if I were to go to the main repo, you can see here we have eight plus releases. Um, and you take the jar, you, you make sure you put it in this uh, specific folder in Metabase, uh, restart your Metabase instance, it'll pick up that driver, um, and then you will be able to access your driver, uh, the Starburst driver, and connect to um, Trano, Starburst Enterprise, or Galaxy. Um, and so I try to make development like that. So when you build your changes, it's actually sim-linked into um, the version of Metabase that we test with. So right now, currently, um, we are working on getting version 1.45 out, uh, but we have only released support for version 1.44. Uh, that's the latest version. So we used to be on 1.43. Um, so basically what it is, is we will we'll check out that version of Metabase, we'll symlink the, the driver, uh, all the, the actual files into Metabase, and then we can actually build the entire Metabase project. Um, and what that does, doing it that way, like we could have just built the jar and then shipped the jar, but actually taking Metabase down allows us to actually execute the Metabase uh, test suite, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's just a huge asset. Um, I mean, working on this without that test suite would have been tough because uh, there's just a, you know, there's a lot to, to implement. Um, you never really know, you know, as, as, as with any project, right? If there's no test, you'll never really can be sure that you didn't break something uh, whenever you introduce changes. So building this so you could easily make sure you're running tests as you're doing development was sort of kind of my idea as I was um as, as I was setting this all up, 
Um, so if you ever want to get started, if you feel like, uh, you know, check out these prerequisites, it's pretty straightforward. You need Docker, you need closure, uh, you need JQ, and then you actually have to go do the metabase prereqs for doing metabase development, um, which are, there's just a couple of things to do there. Um, but there's not too much. Mostly these are just downloading things. What Java um, version yeah. are you running on when you're doing that? Oh, uh, that's a metabase prereq. So JDK 11. 11, okay. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so here's, again, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you're literally just downloading these things. They even have the new M1 uh, updates, which which I had to do recently, and it, everything worked pretty, right, pretty great. Uh, and then when you are good to go, quick start if you just run make build tests that's sort of baseline uh, once you run that it'll build the project it'll launch the tests um, and so what that actually does is builds your driver uh, again the code is sim linked so basically builds metabase with your and then creates your driver builds that uber jar then launches the metabase uh, tests on our driver to make sure those tests are uh, passing um, and actually, to launch those tests, it, it'll start up a Trino instance in Docker. Trino instance. That's why you need to have Docker installed. So that Trino instance will be running. Uh, it'll populate it with the mock tests. Uh, it'll actually, you know, run Metabase test suite, like runs and um, Metabase MBQL queries and things like that to make sure, uh, you know, those things are working. And, and basically, at a high level what the development is for this driver um i know if anyone's watching this this is probably not the best closure exp uh, explanation but it, it really is kind of um you can kind of think about it like this um there's an interface that they define um and there's like hierarchies in this interface they kind of extend each other i'm kind of wording it in like a java way but there's like you know base the base driver interface and then there's sql and then there's um, JDBC SQL. And those that interface has methods that need to be defined. Um, some of those methods have default implementations as you go down that chain, some of them don't. And you, you need to show some of that stuff so we can have a bit of a clue on what, from, yeah. from what I remember from like, like ages ago, it's like lots of square brackets, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I can, I can share. Uh, so for example, like query processor, um, these are uh, these these are methods that need to be implemented or over or overridden. So some of these things might have um, default implementations. If they don't, you need to over. Uh, if you don't, you need to implement them. If they do and they're not working, you can override them. Um, so yeah, um, report time zones private, for example. Like you know, how how do you represent uh, you know day of the month? um this is uh hsql for uh honey sql so honey it's sql honey is on the honey sql yep is uh is another library they use which is pretty neat um but yeah here's you know these ones are pretty straightforward um these are just how to convert and represent you know time zone time time date offset time uh offset date time um but yeah this is sort of the bulk of, of what the driver is, is making sure you've implemented this interface. Um, and 
if there are issues or they release new features, uh, you need to implement those new methods. So for example, uh, we didn't actually do this. We had an open source contributor who wanted to use, uh, you know, we were talking about new features coming uh, in version 1.45, Metabase introduced some cool uh, new features um, like date operations. So you could do like date subtract, date add, um, and date diff. So if you have your tables, you can actually diff dates and things like that um, in the UI. Currently not supported because we're in version 1.44, but we had a contributor um, merge uh, update to 1.45. They made the changes to support all the all the new data operations. Uh, and so we're cur currently working on making sure that's fully tested. And then we want to get that shipped out. So that'll be pretty cool because we'll be up to date um, and we'll have all those new operations implemented. And I believe that, like Piotr was mentioning for model caching, I think the date time operations are also only supported in Metabase in, in sort of like those core those core drivers, which is like Postgres. Um, I think it's like three of them or four of them. So we'll be, we'll be one of the, the few other drivers that support that too. Um, so that'd be pretty neat. And yeah, if I, if I just show you uh, how, how straightforward it is. Um, so if you were to come in here, you just run make build server, uh, and then you'll be up and running. I've already built it. So I'm just gonna run make, make server. Uh, this starts Metabase again. This is a checked out Metabase repo. All, we're always working on a, a set tagged version. So it's not always pulling the latest Metabase because that won't work. Um, that would be like we, working on quicksand. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, exactly. Or even like the latest release because uh, it's not necessarily going to work if you use the version that has you know implemented the 1.44 interface. Version 1.45 has new you know, features that we haven't implemented. So probably not a good idea to take our driver and use a different version of Metabase. Um, but yeah, you can see just like that, if you run make build server, uh, it'll it'll spin it up. Um, I believe it'll spit it out somewhere. Uh, but anyway, you can see here that my, uh, jar, my jar file was uh, put in the correct folder. Um, yeah, and I'm using H2. So we were talking earlier about, um, you know, using an application database for, but for development, you don't need to set up an application database. Uh, H2 will, yeah, H2 works fine. Uh, and it's set up for you. You don't need to do a thing. Uh, and then you can come in here. Um, I have SS or, well, not on this one, but in the dev one I do. And what's pretty neat is if you want to have some, some data to query, um, you can go and can follow, you know, make tests. Uh, but actually, um, if you want to start Trino, you can just run make start Trino if missing. So it, it won't start a new one. I'm pretty, uh, you know, specific about my commands. But uh, this will actually spin up a Trino instance for you in Docker. It'll expose it on port 8082. And then if you were to run make tests, as I mentioned, it'll actually populate, populate those tables. And then you can actually connect your Metabase instance to that test Trino instance, uh, which is what I usually do to mess around. So you can see here, uh, you know, my trainer Docker Trino uh, Docker instance right here. I have airport data, um, which is pretty neat. And yeah, you're already good to go. A um, couple commands and you're up and running. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to kind of mess around. Um, 
play around with things, make some changes, test them out manually, or even just run the tests uh, and get up and running. And quick interaction here, by the way, Chancellor is saying, let's go team. And yeah, he's one of the people that working with you on the team and um, love it. Um, maybe we can get more people out in the community contributing and playing around with this awesome setup. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, you can see here as, as uh, Luis mentioned, um, you know, I don't, I'm not even doing anything, you know, it, it'll already suggest kind of like a default dashboard for you. Uh, it'll just look at your data and say, Oh, you know, these, these might be like coordinates, uh, latitude and longitude coordinates. So let me, let me, you know, recommend this, 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 uh, you know, this, this map Absolutely. here, uh, which is uh, pretty cool. And, That's um, awesome. yeah, so I hope that I kind of took the spirit of how easy MetaBase is and I really wanted to use those tests and make sure I took those. Um, so yeah, if, if, if folks feel like they are interested in Trino or Starburst or MetaBase and, or even just like learning closure, um, and you want to be, be involved, um, feel free. Uh, like I said, we had some contributors make some, uh, you know, open up some PRs for some cool changes that we want to get shipped out. And, Yeah, it's, it's awesome seeing that. I mean, I wasn't expecting to see it so soon, but when you see stuff like that happen, it's a, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. <clears throat> so, yeah, oh. I think that's more or less what I wanted to uh, share. So That's awesome, Andrew. Thank you so much for that demo. And where can people find you then if you're saying they, they should like chase you down for some contribution and learning closure? Oh, I just mean uh, it's open source. Like our, our repo is, uh, you know, uh, feel free. There's issues. I have some issues that are labeled good beginner yeah, I have PRs. To, I, have, I have the link here. But if yeah. people have questions, can they file issues there as well? Or can they talk to us on Slack? I mean, I'm obviously on the Trino Slack. Are you? I'm on the Trino Slack as well. And, I, and I'm awesome. definitely available. Yeah. And, uh, you know, issues, standard GitHub, you know, protocol there um and yeah definitely awesome that is so good um thank you so much uh again to piotr andrew and Luis for joining me this was very very exciting and i think um as i said then in the conclusion here metabase and trino really are an amazing combination of tools uh we also got some really cool feedback from sean mccarthy so i want to show this here for a second um he said <laughs> select star from Trina where front end is metabase and speed like fast lots of rows and lots of pretty pictures returned <laughs> I think that's pretty funny thanks for that Sean <laughs> and I think that's a good summary uh, anything else you want to add otherwise uh, Piotr, Andrew or Luis no it was a pleasure to, to be here with you thank you very much and, yeah thanks uh, see you on the next next broadcast hopefully Awesome. Yeah, the same. Yeah. Thank you guys for, for inviting us. Uh, really a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, uh, and with that, thank you so much. We will uh, post the video shortly and uh, we'll see you all next month, uh, third, third Thursday of the month as usual. This one was one week late, but it was definitely worth waiting for. Love it. Thank you so much and see you next time. Music for the show is from the Mega Man 6 gameplay album by Shishtaf Swabikowski. Don't forget to give us a star on the Trino repository at github.com forward slash trinodb forward slash trino. And for more information on future shows and to find show notes, 
Check out trina.io forward slash broadcast.